once again, good morning. Uh, please uh, join me in uh, saluting our teacher, the blessed and worthy one, the Buddha. Namu Tassa Bhagavatu Arahatu Samma Sambuddhasa Namu Tassa Bhagavatu Arahatu Samma Sambuddhas Namu Tass Bhagavatu Arahatu Samma Sambuddhas Sabi Sata Bhavantu Sukhi Tatta. May all beings near or far, known or unknown, be well, happy and peaceful. And may all of us too be well, happy and peaceful. Sukhi Hontu. I'm very delighted to be here in the Buddhist Fellowship uh, in Singapore uh, to meet with everyone again. So before I proceed, I'd like to uh, express my uh, thanks and appreciation for the kind invitation by Buddhist Fellowship and uh, its uh, committee members uh, for me to be back uh, to do some service here. And uh, it's a long day of service. I'm supposed to teach uh, in the afternoon as well, probably some uh, discussions uh, towards the evening as well. So as I used to say, please make use of foreign labor uh, <laughs> as, as much as uh, it profits uh, all of us. Yeah? And uh, the person who profits the most from, from this service is uh, among them is myself. Uh, so I don't mind doing it the whole day. Uh, because uh, to indulge in the Dhamma is a self-indulgence. Yeah, to indulge in anything else is unsafe. So, <laughs> so I was made to understand that for the past uh, few weeks. Uh, we have been uh, talking about a very beautiful collection of uh, sayings of the Buddha called the Dhammapada. So everyone is already acquainted with uh, this collection called the Dhammapada. The Dhammapada uh, belongs to a collection of uh, 15 books uh, from the Kudaka Nikaya, which is part of the collection of the Buddha's sayings. Yeah, some of the Buddha's disciples' uh, teachings uh, in, in the form of suttas and gathas. You know, suttas means... Uh, discourses. Suttas means Dhamma talk. Yeah? Uh, if uh, we were the Buddha and whatever we say every day would one day be recorded as Sutta. So whatever the Buddha said uh, when he met with people, when he gave teachings, whether people ask him or whether he voluntarily uh, gave teachings uh, on his own accord, uh, those are recorded as Suttas. Yeah? And some of the teachings given by the disciples also were recorded as suttas. Not many, but um, prominent disciples such as Sariputta, Ananda, uh, Kashapa, and so on. Their teachings also have, have that kind of status as a sutta. But the Dhammapada uh, is not a sutta. It, in the form that it is not prose, it is not in complete sentences, but they are in verses. Yeah? It's like poetry. It's actually a Dhamma poem. But this beauty 
of the Dhammapada, not, not in terms of uh, its uh, language and uh, poetic expression in meter, in sound, uh, in meaning. Uh, its beauty lies also in its wisdom. So these are very concise sayings of the Buddha, teachings of the Buddha on 300 odd occasions. Yeah? Many of them are also found in various suttas. You know? So when the disciples of the Buddha uh, collected his teachings after the Buddha's parinibbana, after Buddha passed away, they collected his teachings, some of those beautiful uh, verses were also taken from the suttas and put in the Dhammapada. So you can sometimes in the suttas uh, see this, the same verses. Yeah? So they are recollected and put in 26 chapters of the Dhammapada. And these are among the oldest and the most beautiful, most poetic, most meaningful, uh, most loved sayings of the Buddha. Yeah? As we know, the uh, teachings of the Buddha, if you collect them, they are about 45 times the volume of the Bible, the New and Old Testament combined. Yeah? So that's why I admire our Christian friends. They can carry the Bibles around. It will be quite a hard time for us to carry the Tibitaka uh, around. You know. But in all those teachings, yeah, there are certain uh, collections, such as the Dhammapada, which is very useful. Yeah. I used to uh, bring along a Dhammapada wherever I travel to. And in fact, on this trip to Singapore, after so many years, I still brought along only one book, and that book is the Dhammapada. You know, maybe out of habit already. So whenever I travel, I'll just have to take a book and put it in the bag. And it happened to be the Dhammapada again. Yeah. And why is it so uh, wonderful to bring along the Dhammapada? Because when you open up the Dhammapada and read those verses, it gives you a kind of uh, insight. It gives you a kind of... Uh, understanding in the Dhamma. There are certain verses that are quite um, uh, what you call enigmatic. It's not so easy, especially the translation. Yeah, even the Pali is enigmatic. But there are certain verses that are very plain, simple and direct. So when we are able to access the Dhammapada, we are able to uh, hear, for example, uh, ourselves what the Buddha said. Yeah. So you can try that. And uh, for today, uh, as a continuation of this Dhammapada course, I've chosen a few verses for the morning and in the, in the afternoon, uh, different verses, but from the same chapter called the chapter on the Buddha, the Buddha Vaga. And uh, this morning, um, I've chosen only three uh, Dhammapada verses, including the most famous ones. Yeah, some of the most popular ones, you have probably heard it uh, hundreds of times uh, before this. So if you think you have heard it before, uh, don't worry, uh, unless you're enlightened. Uh, but if you're, if you're not enlightened, then you have to listen to it again. Yeah. Uh, you have to listen it, uh, to it again and again until you're enlightened. Yeah. Uh, but if we are not enlightened, then uh, just open our minds to absorb as much as possible. Yeah, from from the teachings, okay. What we are going to do? We are going to read the the Pali text. Everyone has got a piece of this note. 
Yeah? We are going to learn to read some Pali, a proper pronunciation of Pali. And uh, the meanings of all those words are given uh, below. And then uh, at the uh, reverse page, you have the English translation, some notes, history, and summary. Okay? Yeah. I'll just give a background uh, story on these three verses that were spoken early in the year, yeah, in the uh, first quarter of the year when the Buddha was traveling. Yeah, that was right after the winter season, and uh, it was a very good time in winter and spring to travel from place to place. And when they were traveling from place to place, uh, the monks notice that people throughout northern India observe Uposata days. You know Uposata? Yeah. Uposata means observance days. You know, people in northern India, they, they come together on the full moon days and the new moon days. Yeah? In uh, Hokkien, we say huh? uh, new moon, cheit, and Full moon days, Purnima, Chapgo. Chapgo. Chinese also have Chei Chapgo. In India, when the monks were traveling, they say, oh, different religious groups come together. They have uh, devotional songs. They have uh, strict practices of meditation. They have fasting. They have uh, uh, sacrifices like fire sacrifice, water sacrifice, even animal sacrifices on these special days. So this has gone back time immemorial. Yeah? People have been observing the moon, the skies, and say that there is something special when there is no moon, on the new moon. And there is something special, more special, uh, on the full moon. And that's why on the full moon, you have uh, heightened cases of uh, lunacy, yeah? lunatics. You know, it has to do with the moon as well, the gravitational pull of the moon vis-à-vis uh, -vis the earth. And then the tides are the highest on the full moon. You know, the, the tides are the highest uh, during full moons. And because a large part of our bodies, our physical bodies, are, com are made up of uh, liquid, so we too are somehow affected. People seem to be more emotional. People seem to be more... Uh, sensitive during full moons. If you're oversensitive, you become a lunatic. Yeah? So be very careful when it comes to full moons. We have to calm our senses and calm our minds. Yeah? Otherwise, we are not mindful of the changes that happen in our uh, chemical composition and in our mind. We respond to uh, events differently when it is uh, close to the full moon or during full moons. Okay? So that is why from time immemorial, uh, people in northern India had been observing Uposata days, observance days, uh, close to the uh, lunar events. And uh, at one time, at Veluvana in Rasgir, when the Buddha arrived, it was close to Uposata day, and Venerable Ananda, the close attendant of the Buddha, asked the Blessed One, other religions have these kinds of uh, ceremonies and sacrifices and uh, rites and uh, rituals when it comes to Oposata days. 
How about the Buddhist? Because you didn't tell us uh, what we should do during Uposatha. Is there such a teaching from uh, Buddhas in the past? Meaning, before this Buddha, before Shakyamuni Buddha, how about Buddhas in the past? Did they say anything about observing Uposatha? And the Buddha recollected and saw that, yes, they did introduce something for Uposatha days. You know, and that is why today, for lay people, we have the atasil. You know, we have the practice of the eight precepts and meditation and fasting for lay people. Monks do that every day. But for lay people, we keep the five precepts. On Uposatha days, new moon and full moon, we observe the eight precepts. We renounce the use of uh, comforting things. We renounce the makeup of the body. Uh, we renounce dressing up nicely. We just very modestly, very uh, simply, you know, uh, a lot of renunciation. We give up food in the evening. We we give up uh, dancing. We give up singing, music, entertainment, uh, shows, concerts, and socializing. Uh, we give up all that thing periodically, every two weeks during the new moon, and two weeks later is Chapgo during the full moon. And two weeks later is Cheit. And another two weeks is Chapgo. Cheit, Chapgo, like that. So every two weeks, lay people also get to practice uh, renunciation, which is very important for spiritual progress. So this is what we do today. Now, at the time when Ananda asked the Buddha at Veluvana, the Buddha mentioned these three verses. And today they are contained in the Dhammapada. It's a beautiful, beautiful verse. Okay, so shall we learn them uh, together today? Yeah. No. I want everyone to, to learn how to pronounce it properly and please memorize it. Yeah, we have to memorize this uh, by the end of today. Yeah. yeah, it can be done. So at least the first verse, which is very, very popular and common. And it has been translated to more than a hundred languages. This verse number 183. Okay, let's look at the original Pali text. I read, Sabba papasa akkaranang kusalasa upasampada satchita pariyodapanang etang buddhana sasanang. Easy? Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, this is in Roman script ABC. Okay? If it is in Indian script, when you recite it, you also cry at the same time. <laughs> okay, well, repeat after. Sabba papasa. Oh, slowly. Listen carefully. Yeah? Sabba. S A B sub B A ba sub ba pa pa sa yes pa pa sa notice there are two s there so both are audible sub pa pa sa when you see the a on top there is a bar that's called a macron yeah that's the sign the macron sign it means a long vowel ah yeah 
If there is no A on top, it's just A. If it is a bar on top, a macron, then you say A. So it should be read Sabbapasa. Akaranang. Akaranang. Look at the M at the back. There is a dot below. That means the sound is different. The sound is ang. Akaranang. Not akaranam. Okay? But akaranang. Very good. Actually, everyone sounds quite professional. <laughs> okay, let's do Sabba Papasa Akaranang. Kusalas Upasangpada. Upasangpada. Sachita Pariyoda Panang. Now the double T again, double consonant, so it's sa chitta Pariyoda pa nang etang not etam but etang Buddhana Sasanang Now Buddhana the B there is a double D, right? So, Buddha. The H-A, the H is also audible. Buddha. Buddhang. Buddhang saranang. Buddhang saranang gachami. Yeah, that's the right refuge. <laughs> if you pronounce wrongly, you have gone to the wrong refuge. Budang saranang gachami. You recite that with spirit and devotion and with joy and appreciation. You know, so difficult to take refuge in the Buddha. Many people take refuge where? In Marina, <laughs> Sentosa. <laughs> you know, so many places people take refuge. Yeah? Zua, zua. So they go into the mall. Oh, this one is their refuge. Very few people take refuge in the Buddha. So when we say it, we must say it with a lot of joy, with a lot of spirit, with a lot of understanding, a lot of gratitude, appreciation. That's how we do it. Buddhang saranang gachami. Feel it or not? Okay, go back and practice 108 times <laughs> for the morning and afternoon repeat. Yeah. So this is etang buddhana sasanang. Sasanang. Very good. So let's settle with this verse first. Okay? You turn around and see what is the meaning in English. Not to commit any evil, to cultivate the good, and to purify one's own mind. This is the teaching of all Buddhas. Okay? Those in brackets, they are in parentheses, they are my additions to clarify the meaning. Right? And uh, the notes there, not to commit any evil. Evil, I say, is perhaps a too strong a word. Yeah? It means doing anything that is 
uh, unwholesome, which is out of greed, aversion, and delusion. These are called the three unwholesome roots, right? So on. So this is the translation, the rough translation of the Pali. But when you translate in Pali, there is something lost. Yeah? Either you translate to English or translate to Chinese, uh, something is lost in translation. This verse can be expressed very commonly in uh, Mandarin. Yeah? You probably know, uh, many people probably have heard. Uh, very beautiful poetic uh, expression in Mandarin as well for this verse. So it's a very common verse translated to more than a hundred languages. But nothing beats the depth of the meaning in Pali. That's why we introduce today's session the original Pali text. Let's look more carefully into the text itself. Yeah? What does it mean? And why did the Buddha teach this yeah, to the monks? So remember the story Ananda asked the Buddha on Uposatha days, what did the Buddhas in the past teach? And the Buddha looked into the past and said, all Buddhas since the past, the one that set the precedent, all other Buddhas also taught the same thing. And this is what they taught. Sabba papas akaranang. Sabba means every, everything. Semua, sarva in Sanskrit means everything. In Pali, it becomes sabba. Sabba. Papasa. Papa means unwholesome uh, activities. Papa, unwholesome uh, conduct. You know? What is unwholesome? Yeah? Unwholesome means things that make us a poorer character. Yeah? Things that bring about suffering. Things that bring about unhappiness eventually. That is the definition of unwholesomeness. For example, when we have uh, a lot of greed and desire, eventually we will face with disappointment, uh, dissatisfaction and discontent. Correct or not? Yeah? Uh, amazingly, just uh, three days ago, when I was uh, at the Nalanda Center, I was going out for lunch. As I came downstairs, about to to go out, there was a boy uh, sitting there about in, in his mid-twenties. And when I came in, he said, Bratan, you have to help me. And I said, oh, I have ne never seen this boy before. I don't know who he is. But uh, he said, Bratan, you have to help me. I said, come, come. Then I sat with him. I said, what, what seems to be the matter? He said, I'm suffering. I'm suffering. I said, what are you suffering from? I couldn't sleep. Why can't you sleep? I think too much. What are you thinking of? Everything. <laughs> what kind of everything? Say, I have many desires. I have uh, ambition. I want to do well in many things. And uh, I push myself. So now he has gone a little bit overboard with that thinking, with that desire. And uh, he explained to me very clearly. He was very rational. He said, the root... I said, do you know the root uh, cause of your 
uh, unhappiness and suffering. He said, yes, I desire too much. My craving is the root cause. He knows he can explain, but he's still suffering. When we know it's not enough, we have to stop. Yeah? We know craving gives rise to eventually discontent. You know anger gives rise to eventually, no? what kind? Unhappiness, a lot of suffering. When you ask, hey, do you know uh, your anger gives you a lot of suffering? Yes, I know. But knowing that anger gives rise to suffering doesn't free us from suffering. We have to stop getting angry, stop being greedy, stop being foolish. These are the three roots of unwholesomeness. Lobha, a lot of desire you know, based on discontent. Everyone wants a lot of things. One thing, one thing, one thing. Correct or not? Yeah? Yeah. Why we want? Because we are so poor. You know, poor not because you don't have money. Poor because you don't have contentment. When we have contentment, we don't have so many desires. When we develop contentment, there's a new phone that has been, telephone that has been, uh, what you call launch, smartphone. Oh, mine is working well, it's okay. There's a new restaurant open down the street. Uh, this one works quite well for me, so that's okay. You know, there's a new uh, uh, entertainment center, a new mall being opened. And say, oh, my NTUC is quite all right. <laughs> you see, when we have contentment, we have a lot of peace. When we have desire, we take a lot of action to fulfill those desires. We get ourselves so busy, no time to come to BM, no time to meditate. Sunday also no time. Yeah. Very busy. Yeah. Too many desires. If you see, look honestly into our lives. You know, we have time if we have few desires. We have time if we have contentment. But a person with a lot, a lot of desires will never have enough time. You know, and will never have true uh, joy as well. You know, when 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 we get something already, we are happy, get excited for a while. Uh, two weeks later, we say, "I better go for an upgrade." You know, I better uh, go somewhere. When you have traveled the world already, you know, you're, you're waiting to see th places out of the way one, you know, uh, off the beaten track. Uh, always have that desire. Always. Pushed by desire, pushing ourselves by desire. The Buddha says, "Na kaha panava se na titik kame suvijati, apasada dukkha kama iti vinaya pandito." Not by being so wealthy that you can afford many things, that you are going to be happy, that you are going to be able to fulfill your every whims and desires. If you are wealthy, you can fulfill a lot of your desires, but by fulfilling your desires, also more desires will arise. It's like no matter how much wealth you have, you cannot fill up a bottomless pit. You throw in your billions and billions because it is bottomless. The craving and desire is a bottomless well. When you throw everything in, it's not going to fill up. And therefore, it means we are not going to get fulfilled if we just keep on chasing after our desires. Yeah. And then the Buddha says, Api dibesu kamesu. You know? This even with a, a out of the world desires, even a heavenly 
uh, wealth and so on, still we cannot fulfill our sensual craving. Amen. So the wise person will understand this. If we look clearly, honestly, sincerely into the power of wealth versus the, the power, the overwhelming power of desire and craving, then we will see that no matter how much wealth I have, uh, the power of desire and craving is even more uh, scary. It's more than I can afford. Yeah? So we know the roots of our suffering. Knowing itself will not free us from suffering. We have to stop it. Yeah? And to stop it sometimes for certain people is not easy. Just like the boy I asked him three days ago, well, you explained to me and I agree with you that those are the causes of suffering you know it's not just your suffering but everyone's suffering it's caused by the same thing why don't you stop it i just asked him why don't you stop it and he said i tried but i just couldn't you know uh, why why we cannot stop our desire or our anger and so on you know? because over time we have been indulging in them. We made that our habit. We are habitually full of desires. Habits are difficult to overcome if they are very strong and overpowering. Right? We are addicted and obsessed with craving already. Some people are addicted to anger, obsessed with anger. You ask them, don't you know this is bad for you? bad for you physically and mentally i know i know you know but the next turn when there is opportunity that that was their natural instinctive reaction due to what due to the power of habit yeah. so knowing the causes of suffering seeing them is a very positive step but it is just the first step following that we have to start doing something right about it. And that is not to indulge. Whenever there is a desire that comes out, you cannot tell you, never mind, la, one more day only. One more time only. Uh, one more uh, slice only. One more uh, sip only. One more glass only. One more trip only. Uh, one more million only. Yeah. Yeah. We always give in, we indulge. Every time we indulge, that habits become stronger, more rooted in our psyche, more difficult to eradicate. Yeah. So we weaken it by not indulging ourselves in unwholesome things. Uh, many people, they stop indulging themselves in wholesome things. But we should stop indulging ourselves in unwholesome things. That's the meaning of papa. Papa means poor. Yeah, literally means poverty. Papa yeah, miskin. Miskin papa. So this is something that caused our character to be poorer. Yeah, our character is good, but with unwholesome habits and unwholesome actions, our character becomes a poorer one. So we should stop indulging in unwholesome conduct. And how do we conduct ourselves? We conduct ourselves through three doors. The Buddha says, through the door of our uh, body, yeah, we do things, we act. Through the door of speech, yeah, we say things, we express ourselves. 
Sometimes uh, we express ourselves in many words. Sometimes we express ourselves with very few words. Sometimes we express ourselves with bad words. Sometimes we express ourselves with no words. You know, only one look, and then that's, you know, that's a body. You know, body expressing itself. Yeah, and then we also conduct ourselves in thoughts. This is very dangerous because we may not act all the time or verbalize, but we do think all the time. Yeah, most untrained minds cannot stop thinking. Just day and night thinking, before go to sleep thinking, early morning wake up thinking, uh, never stop. You know, therefore this becomes a problem. If we do not weaken the unwholesome roots, then most of the thoughts are connected with the unwholesome roots. Now, honestly, just talk about uh, uh, yesterday and today. You know, don't have to go back too far. Talk about yesterday and today. Um, can you still remember your thoughts? For the past two days, if we were not mindful, we can't recollect our thoughts. But if we were mindful, we can see our thoughts. Some of them, anyway, most of them escape us. When you wake up this morning, what was your first thought? Hmm? Who can recall your first thought when you got up in the morning? Hmm? Can I sleep some more? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What other thoughts are there? Yeah. Yes? Attending Brother Tan's talk. Ah. Okay, you got free lunch. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Anyone wake up think of, oh, Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. You know? Two weeks ago during Uposata Day, I woke up such a condition. I woke up just like that during Uposata Day. Um, it was one day past Oposata actually. We have been keeping the eight precepts. And the Wednesday morning when I got up, uh, the first thought I could remember was Buddha. Buddha means Buddha. Awakening, awakening, awaken one, awaken one. And tears streamed down. was very, very happy. You know? This is rare. You know? This is rare. And uh, it's very, very joyful. Okay? But most of the time, People don't wake up to such wholesome thoughts, the first thought. The first thought of the day mostly are connected to the past or to the future. When you wake up, you say, Oh, do I get so kang leo? Correct, not still. Oh. You know, is future, right? I have to go. Bokaokun is because we, we, we slept late last night. It's either to the future or to the past. You know? Then the next thing is, what <laughs> I want to sleep on some more can or not. Ah, that came that thought already. Then you remember something from the past again. Ayo, but I promise uh, my boss. I have to uh, do this for him already. <laughs> That's something we recall from the past, the memory. You know? Then suddenly it dawned upon us, eh, kinji le pai. You forgot, you thought it's Monday. Yeah? Uh, 
then oh, can sleep already. Very happy and satisfied, right? Uh, then only you recall, oh, Brother Tan coming. Bopian <laughs> to go. So you see, these kind of thoughts people have, mundane thoughts every day. When you wake up, it's either something from the past or something in the future. Where are we at present? Who is ever at present? Hmm? When we go back to the past, that memory invokes unwholesome roots, either greed, desire, attachment, anger, dissatisfaction, or delusion and foolishness. When we have a memory, uh, a thought of the future, it also is connected to desire. Karana, oh, I have to go to work. Then the negative reaction towards aversion towards it. So whenever we are not at the present moment, we always indulge ourselves in these unwholesome qualities. Now, at the present moment, now all of us carry the burdens of problems and suffering. Yeah? Who has no suffering here? Who has suffering here? Okay, middle section only. <laughs> no, at this moment, do you have suffering? At this very moment, do you have suffering? Not much. Right or not? Not much suffering. At this very moment, are you still breathing? Heart still beating? Brain still working? Still listening? What's the problem? That's not much problem. But when you go back to the past, ayo, I forgot to do that. Ayah, past already, deadline, due. There becomes the, the thought, worry, anxiety, unhappiness. Fear. Then you think, oh, you know, getting here was a chore. Then another memory from the past, unhappy. You know. When you see someone, now I see Joe today, you know, Let's say, if we had conflict in the past, when I see him here today, I say, oh, this person, Siam. Zian <laughs> <laughs> oh, again, Siam. <laughs> That's why everyone only faced the Buddha. <laughs> Buddha had no conflict with anyone. <laughs> see? Did we have conflict today? No. Came and just said, hi, good morning. No conflict. Why we have to siam here and siam there? Memories of the past. If we stay at the present moment, last night's quarrel, this morning didn't quarrel. Bin mian o o, chui mian tu tu. We can smile. Last night we had a quarrel with this person, but that's last night's version. This morning's version, this person totally changed already. Shouldn't we too? That's understanding Dhamma. Last night quarrel is last night's business, past already. Today when we see each other, we can smile. You know, we should start our day at present. So when you wake up, if you can train, the mind, the first thought is at present, you feel the surrounding and say, oh, I'm grateful, I am alive. We say this without knowing the significance and the weight of what we are saying. We are still alive. Because some people don't wake up from their sleep. And some people, when they see the sunrise, they never get to see the sunset. Hmm. 
So the present moment, we have actually very little problem. Yeah? But if we carry the past and we carry the burdens even of the future, then it is a burden too heavy for us. Okay? So knowing our causes of suffering, stop it. Instead, kusalasa upasampada, be skillful. Yeah? Be skillful in uh, what you call uh, developing ourselves. Kusala actually doesn't mean good. Yeah? It does, doesn't mean do good. For example, the Chinese translation, it says, Zong san feng xin. Just go ahead and conduct yourself, cultivate yourself, do whatever is good. But in Pali, it is not that meaning. The Pali meaning is very comprehensive and deep. Kusala means skillful. Yeah? Skillful for what ends, for what purpose. Skillful to attain Nibbana. Skillful to attain deep wisdom, insight and peace. Skillfulness towards attaining wisdom, insight and peace. That kind of cultivation is called kusala. Okay. So it's not just doing good. Yeah. Oh, I didn't do any evil, but mindful of evil. Didn't do is one thing. Akaranang means to stop. To stop means even in the mind. Don't indulge. You know, sometimes they say, what, what bo me lang? You know, I never scold anyone. But inside, keep on scolding, condemning. <laughs> but when I meet the person, oh, well, I don't want to scold the person. I only siam the person. <laughs> I only siam here, siam there. I only avoid this, avoid that. But I never say anything. I didn't do wrong. But in the mind, you're full of all these defilements, full of all these uh, unwholesome qualities. We should akaranang. Akara means my jo. Yeah. Karan means jo. Akara my jo. My jo leo. Stop. Yeah. Don't continue with the unwholesome qualities, churning and generating and blending and uh, all kinds of things that, that become very, very deeply rooted in our habits. Yeah. Stop. After that, only more meaningful when we can develop skillfulness. Yeah? So it is not doing good, it is being skillful towards wisdom, peace, and uh, insights. Kusalasa upasambada. Upasambada means to cultivate. Yeah? What are the skillful things that we can cultivate? Chief among them, of course, is mindfulness. You know? Mindfulness. Apamado amatapadang. Mindfulness is the key to awakening. Yeah? Uh, another uh, thing that is very skillful is yoga. Uh, yoga, not in uh, our normal yoga that you learn in a yoga class. Yoga here means meditation. Yeah? This yoga and the outside yoga is different. Yeah? Yoga ve jayate buri. When we meditate, it gives rise to insight and wisdom. So meditation, making the mind tranquil and peaceful, is also kusala, also very skillful. You know, when we are mindful, we can see the quality of the mind, the thoughts of the mind, the state of the mind. When the state of the mind is angry, and then the thoughts of the mind, the activities of the mind, is an expression of that anger. Thoughts that are angry, thoughts that are unhappy, we immediately stop it. You know, so sati or mindfulness is one of the best. Uh, skillful qualities that everyone should develop. 
Another one is called tranquility or concentration, samadhi, yoga. You know, calm ourselves. You know, so that we don't uh, react, uh, indulging in our habits. We don't react instinctively, uh, being driven by our habits. We have this period of calmness, and the way you uh, deal with uh, work issues or family issues, for example, children, you know, in the past we just indulge our habits and we will respond in a negative way, mostly. But now with a lot of calmness, with a lot of clarity, we can respond in a compassionate way. The way we uh, react and respond is totally different with or without samadhi and sati. So these are examples of uh, skillful qualities which we could uh, develop. Okay, another skillful uh, quality is uh, gratitude. You know, with gratitude, our attitude is different. At, the best attitude is gratitude. You know, for example, sitting here, I'm uh, very uh, grateful for the cushion prepared, for the environment, for the ambience, for the air conditioning. Grateful. Right? And uh, any situation, we can be grateful for something. So that gratitude is a skillful quality that gives us a sense of humility. When we are not grateful, we are not humble. For example, you cook after marketing and uh, all the laborious things in the kitchen you did, and then you put food on the table and your children come and say, not nice. Then they say, what's your point? <laughs> Nobody is happy, I see. <laughs> so but when when we are when we are grateful, when we are grateful, our mind we don't have a sense of entitlement that I'm entitled to happiness. I'm entitled to comfort. I'm entitled to love. I'm entitled to respect. You know. That sense of entitlement is driven by ego. So when we are grateful that ego cannot grow. It just becomes weakened. We are grateful, knowing that we owe a lot of our comfort, happiness, and even existence to the grace of others, to the generosity of others. So that ego cannot grow bigger and bigger and hurt us. So it just diminishes. And we become more humble as a result. Uh, humble or humility uh, in Latin, the word humus, humus means earth. It means being down to earth. The Pali word for humility means nivata. You know, nivata. Nivata means no hot air. Bo hong, bo tao hong. A lot of hot air is very proud, very conceited. The Pali word for humility is nivata, no hot air. Just deflate ourselves like that. And then we are down to earth. So, that is also a skillful quality. Yeah. With these two, then we can go on. Sajita pariyopadapanang. Sajita. Chita means our mind. Sajita, one's own mind. Pariyodapanang. Gradually purify. Purify from what? From the stains of defilements. Yeah? They are major defilements and they are long-term defilements also. And they are very deep-rooted defilements. It's just like stains, you know. Some are easy to, to sweep away, but some are uh, so uh, mixed up with our personality and psyche that we have to have 
supreme right effort to extract them from uh, our minds. So it is a gradual process how we can purify our minds. And we cannot purify someone else's mind. Otherwise, the Buddha would have done us a great favor. Okay, Come, Ananda, lie. <laughs> or pour water or whatever, you know. That's, that's not what the Buddha taught. You know? Today, there's a lot of teaching like this. Oh, don't worry, we can, you know, wash away your karma, wash away your defilements and so on. If the Buddha could, he would. You know, so, in the name of the Buddha, when we do all these things, we are not representing his teachings, we are misrepresenting his teachings. That's not Dhamma, that's Adhamma. Adhamma means uh, against Dhamma. What the Buddha taught was uh, the, the best way, the most uh, effective way, you know, to free ourselves from suffering. And that is, firstly, don't indulge our uh, unwholesome habits. Don't continue doing them. Knowing is one thing. Please stop it. Okay? Can stop? Yeah? Okay. In your mind now, think of one habit which is damaging to your happiness. Think of it. I'm sure many are aware of it. How many people are aware of it? Damaging to your own happiness. One. Okay. Acknowledge it. Is it damaging? Yes, yes. Is it wholesome? I'm sorry. Can you make effort to stop? Yes? Promise? <laughs> we have promise means reminding ourselves again and again, reminding ourselves that, oh, if I continue with this, it's going to be damaging, more and more damaging. It's like the glass is broken, and before I can mend it together, I smash it again, and then the next time I smash it again, and I smash it again, I basically pulverize it, you know. And I, I cannot just bring it together and become wholesome again. It is now broken. It has become unwholesome. So we have to stop doing that. Okay? So that in relation to our base desire, vulgar desires, cravings, anger, jealousy, grudge, enmity, uh, delusion, foolishness, and the rest. Now, this afternoon, I'm going to talk about something that is very important, what to do with our foolishness. Yeah, because everyone thinks we are wise. You know, so, it's not my problem, I'm not foolish. You know, but how do we see? You know, how do we overcome this? This is something very important. Okay? So, this is the teaching of the Buddha. Stop doing us a disfavor and start practicing the skillful way and purify one's own mind. This mind, wondrous, luminous, but easily uh, latch onto things. It is very easy to have upadana develop, attachment develop. You know, it's therefore when when we reach out, when we uh, grasp onto things, and when we attach to things, it's very easy for the mind to be stained. Very few stainless minds, like stainless steel, stainless mind. Very very few. Very easy to be stained because very easy for the mind to reach out and grasp things. And whatever you touch, you, you get a, a part of. So, the first thing is not to always grasp. Yeah? And uh, to withdraw the mind, to practice renunciation. Renunciation is not uh, what you call going to the temple, shaving, stay for a month uh, in robes. There are many 
levels of renunciation, renouncing uh, evil deeds just by observing the five precepts is a form of renunciation. You know, practicing mindfulness is to renounce unmindfulness, which is a very important thing. That is renunciation. Whenever there is a base desire that comes up, whenever there is uh, this strong anger, which usually we would lash out, but now we withhold ourselves and let go of that anger, let go again, it comes again, let go again, let go again. That's renunciation. Okay? Vipassana is renunciation. So it's not just shaving the head and putting on ropes. That's the external form of renunciation. The Buddha taught the internal forms of renunciation. This is the path also to purify one's own mind. Okay? So this is the, the first verse. Yeah? Not to indulge in the base, unwholesome uh, tendencies and habits. To cultivate whatever that is skillful, that gears us towards wisdom, insight and peace and to purify our own minds, to abandon and eradicate defilements. This is the teaching of all Buddhas. From the past to the present Sakyamuni Buddha, they have been teaching the same Dhamma. And the next Buddha that comes also, Buddha said, is, is going to teach the same Dhamma. So, so this summary of the Dhamma encapsulates the whole Noble Eightfold Path. Yeah? You understand this? Yeah. So this is a very beautiful uh, verse. Again, Sabba Papasa Akaranang. Kusalasa Upasampada. Sajita Pariyoda Panang. Etang Buddhana Sasanang. Kanti paramang tapo titika. Nibanang paramang wadhanti buddha. Nahi pabajito parupagati. Samano hoti parang vihetayanto. Very good, certain parts. Kanti paramang tapo titika. This is what the Buddha continued to say. Kanti, everyone knows, a uh, very famous word. It means yeah? patient endurance. Yeah? The, the ability to endure. Usually, uh, we endure unpleasant things. Yeah? Uh, physical things like uh, heat, uh, hunger and thirst, or tiredness, yeah? uh, what you call uh, exhaustion, or sickness and pain. Yeah? This is physical endurance, something unpleasant, but it's okay. We don't let it affect us negatively. Okay? And also uh, mental endurance. Yeah? When people are criticizing us, spreading bad things about us, uh, or scolding us directly, uh, or using their sarcasm, or using uh, politicking, and so on, harming us, we also can endure that suffering. So, kanti and pa uh, soracha, patience 
and endurance. These two are a pair. They come together. Kanti means patience. Soracha means endurance. They are the highest form of discipline. Yeah? Tapo here literally means uh, self-control or abstinence. The highest form of discipline. Yeah? Now, a lot of people are defeated by the lack of patience. Yeah? Uh, endurance, as I explained, is with uh, things that are discomforting and also unpleasant. For example, uh, sitting. A lot of people don't like uh, sitting, uh, meditating. Because they say, oh, a lot of pain, numbness, and so on. We cannot endure. And because we cannot endure, we give up something that is so important, something that is going to bring us a lot of happiness and joy beyond what we have experienced in early life. You know? So for, for the lack of ability to endure, we miss out on a real uh, treasure that we have never experienced in life. So this is a great, great missed opportunity. So when we develop endurance, when we develop uh, the ability to stay with discomfort, uh, soon that doesn't affect us uh, that much. You know, when you see it and then you have pain and then after some time you say, this is not too bad. And after some time it doesn't affect us anymore. Okay? Because we have developed the skill, the ability to overcome it by enduring it. Okay? Patience also is required when we sit and we don't have immediate results. You know, say, oh, all these uh, meditation courses and teachers, they promise me joy beyond the worldly, you know, peace beyond the deep sleep and uh, so many other benefits. Yeah? After a few weeks, I sit here, the bole, abue. Not yet. You have to develop patience. You know, a lot of people because of impatience, the craving comes in already. I want result. I want result. I don't want discomfort. Craving for results. Craving for comfort. Craving for enlightenment. Craving for wisdom. Craving for peace. Craving. 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 And when they don't have it, or when they have pain, when they have numbness and so on, aversion, aversion, aversion. Loba, 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 dosa, dosa, dosa. That's a new dance. Loba, dosa, dosa, loba, 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 dosa. You know, that kind of thing. Jumping, 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 and the person, moha, 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 moha. Delusion, delusion, delusion. That is the root of suffering. That is the cause of samsara. Let's go on like that and like that. Sampai bila, kau tisi. When are we going to see that? You know, seeing the dharma is noticing that. You know, so when loba come, our habit, kante, kante, tell ourselves patience, patience. When this numbness and so on come, boredom comes, tell ourselves kante. Kanti, endurance, endure. Endurance, kanti, patience. Kanti, endure, endurance, endurance. Then the force of the habit of craving and aversion slowly diminishes. Otherwise, they become strong when we indulge in them. Correct or not? When we indulge, the craving becomes stronger and stronger. The craving in in uh, Hokkien, we say ubin liao. 
uh, ubi nil. Got face already. You always give in to it. So chincha ubi nil. Very strong. Aversion also the same thing. Kosi ubi nil. So we have to face with this. We are caught in suffering. Yeah. It's a difficult situation we have put ourselves into. So that's why kanti, this patient endurance, is the chief discipline. Because we need discipline in order to be patient and to endure. You know? And this tapo, tapo means literally to burn away. To burn away what? To burn away causes of suffering. Tapa means the fire burning, literally. You know, it burns away causes for suffering, which is craving and aversion and delusion. And that is why kanti is the incinerator of the causes of suffering. It, it really literally uh, diminishes uh, the, the causes of suffering. Yeah? Nibbanang paramang vadanti buddha. Nibbana, or what you call, uh, what you call uh, peace, yeah? is the highest, so teaches the buddha. Nibbanang paramang, paramang in English is paramount. Yeah, paramount. Uh, Nibbana is paramount. Vadanti, so say the Buddha. All the Buddha say Nibbana is the highest. Many people say, oh, this is the absolute bliss, this yoga or this enjoyment or this happiness. They have these various uh, experiences of, of uh, different levels of delight. But the Buddha says that is not ultimate yet. The ultimate bliss is Nibbana. Beyond that, there is nothing. Yeah. So some people are stuck with lower levels of happiness and delight and get attached to it. And that attachment itself, that upadana itself, gives rise to suffering. But in Nibbana, uh, this word itself means the lack of uh, attachment. There is no grasping. Ni means no. Vana means grasping or attachment. Nivana means letting go of grasping already. All other delights give rise to grasping. This delight is free from grasping. That is why it is the highest delight or highest bliss. Yeah. So you understand this statement? The Buddha says, Kanti is the incinerator of the causes of suffering. And because we incinerate the causes of suffering, we have non-grasping, we have no causes of suffering, and therefore we free ourselves and we can attain the highest bliss of Nibbāna. Okay, this is what this line means. The Buddha continues. Nahi baba jito paru upagati. Nahi. Baba jita means a practitioner, an ascetic. A person who practices Dhamma is called baba jita. One is therefore not an ascetic. One is therefore not a practitioner if we... if we hurt or injure others. If we hurt or injure others, we are not a true practitioner (coughs) of Dhamma. (coughs) So many people, when when we we want to practice Dhamma, um, we think of ourselves suffering but we also have to extend yeah think of other people's suffering 
a person who practices Dhamma should not cause suffering to others. You know, we should not injure or harm others. Right? Uh, and by not injuring and harming others, we don't cause injury and harm to ourselves. Yeah? There is no uh, result of that karma to injure and harm ourselves. You know, how do we injure and harm others? You know? It is the same three roots that we use to injure and harm ourselves or others. That is having desire and craving. That's having anger and uh, enmity. That's having delusion and foolishness. Towards ourselves or others, when we express it, when we do anything with loba, dosa and moha, we injure ourselves and we may harm others in the process. So a person who is a practitioner of Dharma should not harm others. We remain harmless in our life. You know? This is the life of Dharma. Samano hoti parang vehe tayanto. He who oppresses others is not an ascetic or not a practitioner of Dharma. Samana means, again, the practitioner of Dharma. If we oppress others, how, how do we oppress others? Yeah. Here, vehe tayanto means being hostile to others, having aversion towards others. Uh, it's the opposite of having loving kindness and compassion towards others. Yeah. In other words, if we count ourselves as a Dharma practitioner, naturally we must have loving kindness to ourselves and others, compassion towards ourselves and others, you know, without exception. There's no, there is no um, oppression or a hostility towards other people in terms of our thoughts, in terms of our speech and action. Whenever we have thoughts of hostility towards others, there we are indulging our uh, defilements already, our unwholesome habits. We are making it stronger and stronger. And it's more difficult for us to purify the mind. Yeah? Everyone has thought of purifying the mind before? Anyone has thought of purifying the mind before? Yeah? No Buddhists? Yeah, that's what the Buddha taught, right? Purify one's own mind. But if we keep having these thoughts of hostility towards others, are we purifying or are we defiling our own minds? Yeah. Are we making it pure or are we making it worse? Worse. That's why the Buddha says, a true practitioner of Dhamma should not oppress others nor have hostility towards others. We should not injure or harm others. We should live a harmless life. Then only we can purify our own minds. If our minds are full of thoughts, intentionally or mindfully or unmindfully, we want to harm other people, we are making our minds worse, stained by uh, defilements, more difficult to purify. Yeah? So eventually we harm ourselves when we harm others. When our minds are so defiled, so deep in the, the root of uh, uh, defilements, how can we be happy? There is no other way but being unhappy. So we harm ourselves too when we harm others. Yeah? Then the Buddha advised, Anupavado, not insulting. Anupagato, not harming. Patimoke cha sangvaro. Restrain ourselves according to the fundamental discipline. Yeah? For the monks, they have the patimoka sila. They have the uh, discipline of the monks. 
they have the precepts of the monks. They have the training rules of the monks. But for lay people, we also have fundamental discipline. For example, the five precepts. Yeah. So restrain ourselves uh, in relation to fundamental uh, discipline or keeping the precepts. You know, keeping the precepts is not uh, following uh, rules. Yeah. Uh, Many, many societies are rule-based societies. Many countries are rule-based societies. We are not following the law, but here we are restraining ourselves. We are not following the law out of fear of punishment, but we are restraining ourselves knowing that an unrestrained mind causes harm and injury to oneself and others. Yeah? An unrestrained mind yeah, indulges itself and generates a lot of defilements. It becomes impure. By restraining ourselves, we slowly can purify our minds. Yeah? This is why we restrain ourselves. Restrain ourselves against what principle? Against fundamental discipline, like five precepts for the lay people, not to panati pataveramani, not to hurt, not to injure uh, other beings, not to kill other beings. Adinadana veramani, not to not to take things not given freely, you know. Don't breed the greed. This one can take or not, looks very nice. You know, so <laughs> you know. Ay, yeah, I cannot take. La. Why? Keep five precepts. Yeah. So at first it's like that, slowly, slowly. Children are like that. He said, eh, no, no. They want to take something from uh, the roadside and so on, want to pluck some flowers. No. <laughs> Government say cannot pluck flowers here. No, no, no permission given. Don't pluck, don't pluck. But when they are grow up, they, because no, don't pluck, don't pluck, they still don't understand. But one day, finally, because they have been doing it for such a long time, they, it suddenly dawns upon them. Hey, because I don't do it, I don't have greed to do it. You know, because I don't indulge myself, I don't have a habit of doing this. And once they understand, oh, this is called restraint, and I free myself from this greed, I free myself from this trouble for so many years already, they'll be very grateful for it. You see? So this is what we can keep. Patimoka yeah? sangwaro. Sangwaro is the key word here, restraint. Yeah? We should restrain ourselves not to gossip. Yeah? People also uh, have to learn not to uh, gossip about others. When you gossip about others, is, is it about good things or bad things usually? Yeah? Is there good gossip? <laughs> no. Good gossip is called Dhamma talk. <laughs> so, so this is wholesome. But when we gossip, we, 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 like, to, we like to point out uh, the flaws of others, right? And worse than that, people take delight in it. You see, when you talk about the good of others, you know, oh, you're this brother, really, I tell you, very good, you know. You see, everyone falls asleep. <laughs> yeah. But when we talk about, oh, this terrible person, oh, you, I don't know, let me tell you uh, the whole story. Well, everyone stay alert. <laughs> yeah. see. So naturally, almost. You know, why is that so? Because there's no restraint. We should practice restraint. You know, the alertness is used wrongly. It's not the right kind of mindfulness and concentration. It's wrong. Yeah? 
So, restrain is the keyword. Mata nyuta ca batasmin. Mata nyuta, knowing the right measure. Yeah, nyuta means knowing. Mata means the measure. Knowing the right measure when it comes to food, batasmin. Yeah, food is a, a base requirement. Everyone needs food. Everyone survives by having food. So in good societies, good life due to good karma, like in Singapore, food is plentiful. Good food is wow everywhere. So people have a food trail, you know. And when when we start having good food, what happens? A lot of people get stuck with wanting good food. Yeah. Uh, Many people tasted already. Mmm, these noodles very good. Then if you go to another place and taste the noodles, then you start to have a comparison. Oh, this one no good. Next time I bring you there, good one. So after that, you look for something better, something good. Here good, there good. If Singapore cannot find, they might go Johor, <laughs> go Ipoh, uh, go Penang, uh, go Bangkok, go Hong Kong. Go everywhere looking for it. You know? Is there no food in Singapore? Yeah? Food is plentiful. But we go all the way. Why? Driven by need? No. Driven by what? Desires. Driven by desires. Supreme effort. Driven by desire for sensual delights. So when we know the right measure for taking food, we know the right purpose of taking food then uh, the whole construct changes already. Patisangka yoniso, thinking carefully, reflecting with wisdom. Bojanang patiseva mi, I take this food, bojana, this food. Neva dhavayana madayana mandanayana vibhushanaya. I take it not because fond of the taste, not playfully, not indulging myself, not for beautifying the body and so on. But just to sustain my physical body, to give me strength, food is needed for strength and growth, yeah. so that I can continue living a noble way of life. Without strength, want to come to BF on Sunday morning, also difficult. You know, <laughs> cannot climb the steps. Yeah. So with some strength, we are able to climb, otherwise carry others. You know, we are able to do service. We are able to stay alert. Without strength, we can't even stay alert to listen to a talk. So all this is the purpose of food. And knowing the right measure of food leads to a lot of other knowing. Yeah? You start by knowing the right measure of food and knowing to restrain yourselves. And this leads to a lot of other knowledge knowledge of important things. The Buddha has many of such knowledge. It's called Vija Charana Sampano. The Buddha is endowed with knowledge and virtues. Knowledge and conduct. Supreme, Sampano. One of the knowledge is knowing the right amount of food to take. You know, how much we need. More than that, it breeds our greed. Okay? Pantangja Sayanasanang yeah. Sayanasanang means a resting place, a bed, and so on. Pantang means remote. Remote means not always in your bed, not always in your couch, not always in your massage chair. You know, when you see the bed, oh, cannot resist the bed. 
you know, always lying there, sleeping, napping, uh, wallowing here and there, you know, rolling here and there, from left to right, north to south. Yeah. In the practitioner, in the people, bhikkhus and uh, yogis in the forest, they are remote from the bed. As you wake up already, you get up. Yeah. You don't continue to noah here, noah there. So, it's oh, very warm, very nice. Yeah. Just immediately. This is called pangtang sayanasana. With food, it is measured, but with resting place, we also measure. Yeah, we also don't indulge ourselves. Yeah. Then only adicita ce ayogo. Ayogo here means devotion to or uh, in pursuit of adicita, of higher mind. Literally, higher mind. It means thoughts of renunciation and enlightenment. Thoughts of renunciation and enlightenment is called adicita. It is a higher mind. The lower mind, the base mind, the common mind of people, the mentality of the majority of people is indulgence, is sensuality, is uh, what you call uh, comfort, yeah? delight in worldly things. But the higher mind is no, don't find delight in worldly things, but find delight in renunciation. Yeah? As I said, renounce evil and the mind is very peaceful. Yeah? When you renounce uh, greed, the contentment brings a lot of peace. When you renounce uh, injuring, harming others, the uh, spirit of metta and karuna, loving kindness and compassion, becomes strengthened. And metta karuna strengthened brings about a great deal of uh, empowerment to goodness and skill towards nibbana. You know, you just feel so joyful with a lot of loving kindness and so on. You just feel so joyful, and that loving kindness is not tainted uh, with anger towards certain people. It's just universally uh, loving kindness, and that's wonderful. And in that situation. We can have adicitta ce ayogo. We can direct the mind in pursuit of higher goals. We can develop the mind to have this higher mind. You know, thoughts of nibbana. And we will have the confidence in it already. When we have not done all those things, we also think of nibbana, right? Occasionally at home, think of nibbana or not? While watching TV? Huh? You know, watching TV, switch channel, switch channel, so boring, Nibbana better. Yeah? But when we haven't done all these things, even when we think of Nibbana, it has no power, it has no strength, it has no effect, it has no impact. Because why? It's not ready. It's like a, a, a log, a wood. Yeah? You soak in water and say, may I light fire with this wood. It is so wet, it won't happen. Renunciation means to take the log out of the water, you know, to put it on a high ground and to dry it thoroughly. When the wood is thoroughly dry, if you wish to make a fire with that log, you can do it successfully. When we indulge in sensuality, it is like being soaked, a piece of wood being soaked in water. We cannot sustain a fire. We cannot even light a fire with that log. Correct or not? So what is the meaning of water? It is the world of sensuality. If we are drowning, we are soaking in sensuality, we cannot achieve Nibbana. 
you see. We have to be remote. We have to be taken out of what you call the, the water first. Singapore is surrounded by water, right? Yeah. Also drowning in sensuality, right? Everywhere we go, advertisements calling out for your dollars. And, you know, calling out for indulgence. Do this, do that, join this, join that. There's so many things. There is nothing that, that tells us to, renunciation is good. Nibbana is the highest bliss. Uh, nowhere is it telling us, not enough signals to tell, to tell us that truth. So when we are soaking in sensuality and we want Nibbana, it doesn't happen. And then we get dejected and disappointed. So the step-by-step step is given in these three verses, how we can gear ourselves towards Nibbana. And my dear friends, my dear friends, this is a very important conclusion. That Nibbana can be attained in this very life. In this very life. In this very life. <laughs> in this your very life, but perhaps not with your very lifestyle. <laughs> it can be attained in this very life, but maybe not with our lifestyle. Our lifestyle must be adjusted. Yeah? Abandon all those defilements, cultivate the skillfulness. Practice restraint according to the fundamental uh, discipline. We lead our lives, not harming others, not oppressing others. Don't be hostile to others. With food and indulgences, know our measure. You know. With resting, just have enough. But the rest of the time, be active. Be actively pursuing the higher goal. This etang. Buddhana, all Buddhas, Sahasanang, teaching. This is the teaching of all Buddhas. Okay? So this is the summary. We call it, we call it the uh, Uposata Patimukha. Yeah? This is the teaching of the Buddha given on Uposata. Yeah? To remind ourselves what is actually the most important thing in our spiritual life. So I'd like everyone to go through again together, shall we? With faith, devotion, and a lot of zeal. Yeah? Have spirit already? Yes. Every time before going home, sure, spirit very high. <laughs> okay. Now, everyone, mindfully, devotionally, remember you have to memorize it by today. Promise? Yes. How many people don't promise? <laughs> don't go back. Yeah? Promise then can go back. Yeah? Because why? Um, when we memorize it, understand it, it stays. Isn't it wonderful if the Dhamma stays with us? If the Dhamma stays with you, then you are also staying with the Dhamma, isn't it? Yeah? If your goldfish stay with you, then by definition you're also staying with your goldfish. So if we memorize the Dhamma, it stays with us. And it happens that at a point of time, maybe when we need it or maybe when we are reflective, it appears in our minds. And this is when we are reminded of the Dhamma, the teachings of the Buddha again and again. This is why it is very helpful, very useful when we memorize. And this is just one verse. You just remember the first verse. But 
you have to learn it properly, all the meaning that has been explained, learn it properly. Okay? And don't misinterpret it. Sabba papasa akaranang Kusalasa upasampada Sajita pariyodapanang Etang budana sasanang The meaning, not to commit any unwholesome deeds, to cultivate the skillful and to purify one's own mind. This is the teaching of all Buddhas. Kanti paramang tapo titika Nibanang paramang vadanti buddha Nahi pabajito parupagati Samano hoti parang vehetayanto Forbearing patience is the highest austerity. Nibbana is supreme, say the Buddhas. He who harms another is not a recluse. He who oppresses others is not an ascetic. Anupavado anupagato Patimukhe ca sangvaro Mata nyuta ca batasmin Pantang ca sayana senang Adicitta ca ayogo Etang budana sasanang Not insulting, not harming Restrain according to the moral code Cultivating moderation in food Secluded abode With mind trained on higher thoughts This is the teaching of all enlightened ones Sadhu Sadhu Thank you very much uh, for being here today. I'm very uh, glad um, to spend uh, the morning with everyone and uh, wish everyone a pleasant practice. Uh, carry on with a lot of confidence. Learn the proper Dhamma. Yeah, there's a lot of Dhamma out there today, but you can see from the words of the Buddha himself. It's just like hearing what the Buddha himself said uh, when we read the, the Pali verses. And... Uh, this is the path. This is the path to liberation. Uh, if we are not careful, when we learn the wrong things or misrepresented teachings, it might not be the path to liberation. That's just the path to confusion. Yeah. So we get more and more confused, convoluted, and uh, further and further away from uh, liberation. So I wish everyone a wonderful practice on the true Dharma. Suki Hontu. Brother Tan, um, would you like to maybe share with us about as a gratitude to India the exciting program that you have about revitalizing uh, Buddhism in India? Thank you. I think they will be interested to know. <coughs> Dr. Henry, thank you. I recently went to India and uh, visited 
many Buddhist communities. Uh, I've heard of many uh, new Buddhist communities in India, and uh, they are um, so spirited. Yeah, in Malaysia and Singapore, we we have uh, Buddhist communities for the last hundred years, but uh, somehow, uh, when I went to visit India, the new Buddhists have a lot of zeal, a lot of spirit, but unfortunately, they don't have um, good teachers. So they just knew, oh, Buddha taught us to be good, but exactly what the Buddha taught, they have little access to. If you check on the internet, then you probably will get a lot of mixed uh, teachings, not pure teachings, but mixed teachings of the Buddha that adds to the confusion and convolution of the mind. So India uh, needs help from uh, uh, other Buddhist communities uh, from Southeast Asia uh, to go back to repay the debt of Mother India who gave us the Buddha, who gave us the Dhamma and the original Sangha. You know, India is the motherland um, of Buddhism and uh, the future of Buddhism uh, in the world will be strong uh, with India at the forefront. You know. So uh, there's a program to revitalize uh, Buddhism in India by training teachers, uh, by bringing the teachers <coughs> out of India and by sending teachers to India as well on a, a half-yearly basis. Uh, secondly, we are taking uh, youth leaders out of India to be trained in uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, other countries uh, in collaboration with several Buddhist organizations and send them back to India to organize uh, more Dhamma uh, classes and uh, organize camps uh, for children, teenagers, as well as undergraduates. So this is part of the program to revitalize uh, Buddhism in India. So we have uh, embarked on this. And also to uh, print uh, uh, relevant books. There are many books that we print and send there. They are not properly distributed or they are distributed to the wrong places. Uh, they are given to uh, people who cannot read. And um, the, the wrong language are printed. India is uh, very uh, diverse and uh, sometimes it's just not their tongue. So all these uh, can be improved upon. Uh, even uh, communities uh, I visited don't have uh, Buddha images. So we have uh, recently sent some Buddha images to, to India. At least one village will have one Buddha image. So we have 500 uh, across uh, the villages. And uh, very, very uh, important that people outside India understand that. You know, you have the puja book in the BF. We also have a puja book. When I went to India in 2008, <coughs> I was giving a talk in Sarnath, where the Buddha first preached. And then there were a few locals, Indians also, who were visiting Sarnath at the same time. They were not from Sarnath, they are from uh, Haryana, different state. And uh, some of them stood there to listen to my explanation to the pilgrims. And uh, after the, the talk, a few of them came uh, in Indian style, touched the feet, and uh, took, you know, asked me uh, for something uh, that they can bring and read. So I didn't have anything with me except the puja book. So I gave them the puja book, and that's about it. But uh, when I went back to, to India just, I think, two years ago, 
uh, when it was announced uh, that I would come on a, a pilgrimage at Bugaya, this man took a train and showed up six years later. And uh, he came and saw me at the Mahabodhi. I didn't recognize him. It's easier to recognize the Chinese in Bugaya <laughs> than to recognize an Indian in India. <coughs> that I reckon. And uh, when he showed me the puja book, then I recall. That puja book was totally covered in writing, inside, outside. It was, what do you call? Very worn, very worn. And every line, you know, very well used. So when I went back to Malaysia, I said, sin sin. Look like new one, you'll never use. This one, use and use. My tears just flowed. And at that time, I realized, you know, sometimes you're reminded by these kinds of things. I realized that how fortunate we are, but how unfortunate. We are fortunate because we have all the facilities and facilitators. Unfortunate because we never appreciate, we never know the value. We never make good use of our time. And people over there don't even have a Buddha image. And uh, they don't even have a, a, a book that they can read every day. So that sparked my, my interest uh, on how to repay the debt of gratitude to India. So I'd just like to share with you uh, some of the, the things that I witnessed and uh, that inspired and touched me deeply. And uh, at the same time, it made me reflect that how uh, on our part we have not really been... Uh, uh, diligent. We are, we are actually wasting our very good fortune as a human birth. You know, how we should actually pick it up and uh, never um, uh, what you call uh, uh, relent in our practice of Dhamma. Yeah. So just to share with everyone. Yeah. So every day when we have thoughts, please think of uh, our motherland, our spiritual motherland, India. Though we are not Indians, but we are karmically uh, connected. And uh, one day, in the right way, let us make India uh, become the fountainhead of uh, Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha again. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, sadhu. Yeah. work okay that's very general it's not a pain of a numbness right yeah okay uh, when do we know uh, to walk away yeah with wisdom and when do we endure yeah there are, there are certain times where uh, we are hurt physically yeah we are hurt uh, what you call uh, mentally uh, in an abusive relationship you know this is where we should not uh, endure the abuses because it's bad for the people who do it. It's bad for us psychologically, physically as well. So there are times where we have to consult with uh, wise teachers and uh, decide to uh, walk 
away from abuses. Yeah? But a lot of times, uh, we don't face that kind of abuse. We face uh, unpleasantness. Yeah? For example, people um, ignore us yeah? when they have uh, any shopping trips. They don't call us. Yeah? <laughs> when they have makan trip, they forgot to call us. You know, when they tap out, they forgot to tap out for us. Now, those are unpleasantness. This one we have to endure. You know, it's not abusive when they don't tap out for us, right? You know, we have to endure. And sometimes criticism from colleagues, criticism from family members, from neighbors, we have to endure. You know why? They, they, they are not harmful in a way. It only injures our ego. And this is the ego that we are trying to protect that gives us more uh, fragility. So we have to reduce that ego. So that situation we endure. So for beginners, if we don't know, uh, one good resource is to uh, seek uh, counsel from wise teachers and Kalyana Mitras and uh, to, to hear what wise teachers have to say about that situation, you know, to take counsel. Okay? Mm. And for the physical endurance, sometimes when we sit, uh, we are able to, to sit for five minutes and then it starts to have pain and so on. So we say, Oh, boy, I see see And then, okay, that's the limit of our endurance, five and a half minutes. And we stand up and then continue, continue. Determination helps. Then we sit. The next time we can endure 15 minutes. You know, before we relent. Then, the next time, we can endure 40 minutes. And after some time, we find that our endurance is greater, our patience is deeper, and we have spiritual progress already. You know. So with a lot of, of things, when we endure, we find ourselves deeper, more anchored in the Dhamma. And this is really helpful, and this is called spiritual progress. So, brothers and sisters, I think um, that's enough for today. Um, we're running out of time, so.